I am Brad Levitt, host and founder of A Finer Touch Construction. We are super excited to bring this amazing guest list to you of people that specialize in business, marketing, social media, entrepreneurship, and most of all, how to build a great company. AFT is a local commercial and residential general contractor located in Scottsdale, Arizona, and we are continuously seeking ways to bring value to our industry, clients, and network. Please subscribe to us on Spotify, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Today, we are very fortunate to host Shay McGee, who is the Chief Creative Officer and co-founder of Studio McGee. And Shay came on and made time for us today to speak about her business and more importantly, how she's leveraged her brand and social media to build her platform. And some amazing things that we discussed, we talked about the builder, designer, architect relationship, how that is super key to the success of any project. We spoke about how her careers evolved, you know, diversification when we talk about blogs and Pinterest and the different social channels, as well as product design that she's involved in with with McGee & Co. and how that's diversified her business and how she's built this platform where now because of her marketing that she's able to, you know, select the projects that uh, fit their scope and, and budget and clientele. And it's really important that, you know, how we analyze our company with our systems and how we're addressing uh, protocol and and that's what she's done the company organization has been key and that's where she really saw accelerated growth with her husband Sid as they built this together and and she also spoke about how to look at marketing and how to use um, photography and create content and how to leverage that and a lot of that comes from her background you know in PR and communications and again that relationship is everything so you'll definitely get a lot of value from her podcast can't thank Shay enough for joining us and Shay McGee is the chief creative officer of Studio McGee leading the creative direction for all visuals marketing and products within the Studio McGee portfolio brands after graduating with a degree in communication she realized design was where her heart was so she changed her career and channeled her energy into remodeling the first home while documenting the results as one of the first design influencers on Instagram, Shay's fresh approach quickly attracted a long client roster and loyal following. In 2014, Shay and Sid, her husband, decided to launch their interior design firm with one directive in mind, make life beautiful. As the firm's design and fan base grew, it paved the way for the launch of their e-commerce brand, McGee & Co. Two years later, and with a vision that beautiful design can be approachable, Shay has become one of the leading innovators in the interior design industry. And of course, a big thanks to our sponsor, Sub-Zero Group Southwest, for making this episode possible and of course this podcast. So if you're starting a new kitchen, the Sub-Zero Wolf & Cove showroom is the place to start. It provides an immersive environment to help you realize the possibilities of your future kitchen. Discover what it may feel like, look like, taste like, all in an exploratory, no-pressure showroom. No matter who you are, consumer, owner, or member of the trade community, the showroom is ready to assist you throughout the entire project. I visit the Sub-Zero Wolf & Cove showroom in North Scottsdale very often. In fact, it's just here around the corner from my office. It's the perfect place to meet with my clients and the designer on the project. When we arrive, we meet with the showroom consultant whose sole focus is catering the visit to our needs. They seek to understand what products may be best suited for the client and then explain and demonstrate special features and functionality. We can browse a complete line of Sub-Zero Wolf & Cove appliances and then view them in beautifully designed vignettes, helping my clients envision how the appliances might look like in their home. The best part is that consumers can interact with the products, turn the knobs, open the drawers, and ignite the flames, discovering the best fit for them. With the help of a showroom consultant, each visit is truly unique to the client. The relationship with the showroom does not end with the appliance selection process. Throughout the entire project, the showroom team is there to provide helpful solutions and offer advice and assistance. After appliances are installed, owners can expect a lifetime of support and helpful resources. The Sub-Zero Wolf & Cove showroom is the place to start, experience, and bring your vision to life. Schedule an appointment at your nearest showroom by visiting www.subzero-wolf.com backslash showroom. Welcome today to T-Construction Podcast today, and we are beyond fortunate to have Shay McGee with us today. Welcome, Shay. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so I, I know it's been busy. You've been busy this last year, and for those of you that uh, know Studio McGee, you know uh, Shay, she's the Chief Creative Officer and Co-Founder of Studio McGee, and I know that you have an amazing following, um, and the reason I know that is because I post uh, just a little... Um, notification in my story that hey we're gonna have Shay on and the feedback was just incredible because we do have a lot of designers that follow us on social media as well as our podcast so they were super excited you're coming on today Shay so thank you thank you I'm I'm excited to talk industry talk it's great 
Yeah, it is nice. So, so let's start here. You know, I, the, the one thing I get a lot, Shay, which I'm sure you too, a lot of people think this overnight success, you know, they look at your platform, the Studio McGee, you have all these different jobs, projects, they're beautiful, that it's this overnight success, you know, but they don't realize where we started from. So talk, take us back to what inspired you for your first renovation at your home in Orange County back in 2010. Yeah, so um, I always laugh at that when people say that we were an overnight success. I, I know that it's been a quick um, road to where we have landed currently, um, and I still feel like we have so much more to accomplish, but um, really the story of how it all started, you know, it was like eight or so years ago um, when Sid and I really first got married and I started decorating our first apartments and I studied communications with emphasis in public relations and so something completely different. Um, I love and have always loved design, but I am not an artist and was really scared off um, of taking the coursework for interior design school. Um, so I graduated something completely different, worked in advertising and PR, and really those skills have served me um, well once I started my business, but um, I couldn't scratch that itch it was just like the design part of me was always there and so um we de decorated our first couple of apartments we bounced around for a little bit um and then we in in about that 2010 time um we were living in orange county and so um the, it, the market was hit really, really bad, the real estate market. And so Sid and I just scraped together everything we could to put a down payment on. Um, well, we could only afford a foreclosure. It was a short sale and it had um, three mortgages out on it. And um, we had lost out on so many houses because everyone and especially investors were trying to snatch up those houses and we couldn't put down an all cash offer for like these investment opportunities. And so we just kept losing out and we were getting so defeated. And, um, I wanted so badly, I had started taking, um, classes at, um, a local community college design classes. And I wanted so badly to put what I was learning to the test and really proved to myself that I could do this and, and having a place of your own being in rentals, you know, you can, the carpet is always just like gross and no matter, even if the owner lets you paint um, a wall, it's still just not your own. And so I was so excited to get in and like, Sid can attest probably within like a week. I was like already like, all right, Sid, like start demoing some things. Let's get to the kitchen. Um, so we, I um, really probably tricked Sid into spending um, too much money on um, an investment in my business. I kept telling him like, if we do this, like if we make over this house, it's going to be such a great portfolio builder for me. And so that's how we got started. And I, I, um, it's Orange County in that era. It's everything is Tuscan, right? So it's brown on brown on brown, which I like neutrals, but it was it was a look that was not appealing to my design senses. And so um, it had a good layout, and I wanted to show that um, this light and airy aesthetic could be derived from something that was very very boring and. Um, I knew early on that like a light and airy aesthetic was mine. Did I know um, be much beyond that? No, I, I had just been studying magazines and design books forever. So I started with this kitchen and um, it was like Carrera marble and subway tile backsplash and white cabinets. And at the time that was really unusual in our neighborhood. Like people, we were like this spectacle for neighbors. So they would, you know, like, oh my gosh, it's white, oh, white in there, huh? You know, and, and then they kind of saw the, as it came together, how beautiful it really was. Um, and I started consulting 
at that time. And I say consulting, but like really it was just like people asking me to come over to their houses and give them my opinion on things. Um, and, um, that really got me started until one day my sister-in-law said, Hey, I have this friend who needs, um, a little bit of help in her house. And it, that was like my first paying job was this referral through my sister-in-law to, um, someone that I, I knew, but didn't know well. And, um, but they lived in our neighborhood and, um, that was my, it was a styling, a styling job. And that was my first real, real project um, project. But I'd say that that like our kitchen and remodel of our house really gave me the opportunity to just kind of show that I had any sort of design sensibility before I started calling myself a designer. Well, I think that's really valuable insight. I mean, Shay, before we dive into that first project and you know how you utilize the content of your own house, you know, you had talked about that your career up to that point, you were in public relations, communications, mm -hmm. you know, advertising, PR. And what, what I found is that th there's advantage to also have an experience outside of your bubble, right? Because you went through and now, I mean, one thing that you're very successful on, anyone that follows Studio McGee, I mean, your PR and advertising is phenomenal, right? Your content's there. Um, and, and so we'll get into this later in the conversation too, but, you know, one of the terms in sales is this lost leader, right? To take a project, mm -hmm. to build that. And, and as you're studying and working on your own project, you're looking at, okay, tell Sid, you know, let's remodel this. This is content, mm -hmm. right? I can leverage yeah. this content. Yeah. I know relations. I know, you know, how to PR. Um, so by having this content now to work in progress, I can bring people and that's how we're going to start our business. And little yeah. did you know. It would take you now. So, yeah. you know, tell us about that first job and how exciting that was, you know, as you start now yeah. to get that first lead. Yeah. So, um, loss leaders, I mean, you had mentioned like a loss leader. I think like the first several years of our, my career and our <laughs> business was a loss leader. Just like <laughs> take on as much as we could, um, to get the experience to prove that we could do what we wanted to do, um, and build our portfolio. That first job, you know, of course, I was so nervous, so excited. It was a super small project, um, but it something about it just gave me the confidence to keep going. I think that I hadn't started my – it was that first project that gave me the idea to start a business Instagram. So, like, um, I had, you know, a private Instagram with just, like, a couple hundred followers, um, and I was documenting our house, and then I, I posted – one photo from this first project and you know though that small following was like oh my gosh um and I'm like wow people are a lot more excited about this than any other like silly vacation photo I post <laughs> right so um maybe I should uh start my own Instagram and this was really early days when there weren't a lot of designers that had Instagram accounts like strictly for their business. And so that, that first project, um, you know, I, I learned a lot just from like, I have to like, Oh, I have to come up with a rate. I need a business name. I need, um, to figure out how to invoice people just like all of those first steps. Um, and estimating how many hours it would take, how much was it going to cost, uh, those, all those things, you really can't learn in school. You just kind of have to do it. And so that is, I think that that first job kind of forces you to figure out all of those first steps into running a business. Yeah. So did you have any help with that? I mean, if you're thinking about anyone starting a business, you know, now being in it for 10 years, you understand the nuance and relations and, you know, the billing and, and cash flow and so forth. Yeah. You know, did you have anyone in your network that you had built relationships with to help you that? Or did you just kind of trial by fire figure it out as you went along? No, I am like terrible about asking for help. And so I like didn't even ask Sid for help. But it, like Google was my best friend always. It was just like, oh, like, Google an interior design invoice and then figure it out. I just always have had a I'll figure it out mentality and I don't like asking for help, um, which has proven to be um, it was challenging in the early days as we were trying to start Studio McGee. So we started Studio McGee in um, 2014 and 
you know, we had to hire our first employees and then grow from there and first relinquishing control when it was just me alone doing everything was was a challenge. So no, I didn't ask for help. I should have probably it would have made it a lot easier. But um, I just uh, made things up as I went along. Hey, that's okay. You know, there, there's an advantage to learning. I mean, one thing is when you're experiencing yourself and going through those growing pains, right? You don't make that same mistake twice. If you made it, you know, you figure out quickly, you know, so how did social media, you mentioned that, you know, this was early on with social media. And of course you've leveraged that today. You know, when did you really see social media, Instagram really be an opportunity for you to seek after, to help build your business from a marketing perspective? Um, when did I see Instagram be, well, very early. So it was like right after my first project that I launched Shaming Design and that was my Instagram account. Um, and I really didn't have other designers to pattern myself off of. So I used other businesses and other, um, like fashion bloggers were starting to, um, really utilize Instagram. And so I followed, um, what they were doing, which was posting, consistently every single day um, and really establishing an aesthetic on their feed so that you could go to um, their feed and see that like without looking at pictures individually you could get a sense for their style as a whole um, to really set the tone because I realized that people were going to my Instagram page more than they were going to like my website and so it needed to act as a portfolio to speak to who I was as a designer. And so um, I, I had to stretch my content um, really far because I didn't have 100 projects to post from. And so, you know, it was a lot of behind the scenes and progress pictures and just learned how to take photos so that um, I could... Um, do all of that work myself because I did see that like good photos really elevated your brand. Um, and I knew that very early on and maybe that was my marketing background, but, um, just seeing that you could really establish how people felt about you within like two seconds of them coming to your profile was really important. I love that because, you know, most people don't realize, you know, we think about website and website is important for landing page. But one thing that Instagram is, it's a working resume, right? It's ongoing. It's something you can update easily. And it's a, a something where people that follow you, they kind of get to know Shay, right? They get to know your personality. They get to know yeah. your style, your aesthetic, your uh, personality. And there's an attraction there where people look at that and say, hey, I can relate or I like right. what she's doing. And you mentioned, you know, in the early days in Laguna, which is very similar to Scottsdale. Everything was Tuscan, right? It's dark, it's heavy, you know, um, and, and, and for you coming in with a new aesthetic where you really understood your aesthetic now, you mentioned that's really important for young designers. So why why should young designers, you know, builders understand their aesthetic and, and really strive to achieve that? Yeah, I think that early when you're first starting, you have a sense of what your aesthetic is by way of following other people. And so you're patterning yourself after other designers to then discover your own aesthetic. But I think the, the designers that are incredibly successful um, carve their own way over time. Um, when you're first starting, there's a whole combination of factors that kind of kind of influence what you're doing. And a lot of it has to do with the fact that clients just boss you around because they don't trust that you have um any sort because you don't have any experience so it's hard to trust what you're saying so in the early days I did have a style but I think that I was really heavily influenced by what my clients were pushing me to do you know um, and I didn't know to have, have how to have those conversations like, trust me, this couch is going to be great because they didn't have any reason to trust me because there wasn't a big portfolio yet. And so I was able to really establish my aesthetic. And I think that you have to be patient um, to, you know, I know my builder for my house, like, you know, he, he often laughs, like sometimes you just got to build a few ugly houses, you know, to put food on the table. And I feel like that 
<laughs> that happens kind of. Um, I don't say that any of our projects were ugly, but there were a lot of decisions that were dictated by clients early on. And then as you each project, you get a little bit more freedom. And then that's, then you guys can start kind of hitting your stride of like, oh, this project really represented me as a designer because I was able to really help set the tone for the whole house and all of the selections. This really represented not only me, but it represented our client. But like we came to that place together instead of um, me acting as like an assistant. And I, I can see that um, that just happens over time, but you have to work really hard to get yourself there because it is easy to just, um, you know, clients will always just show you pe pictures of other people's work. And yeah. so um, if you're always stuck in that mode and you don't push yourself out of that bit by bit, then you will just be stuck in that um, pattern. Well, I love that you said that, Shay. I mean, that's really impactful. I think for any business, you you relate it to the builder. You know, sometimes you have to build some ugly houses. It's not that they're ugly, ugly but you have to kind of start building this business. Mm -hmm. And and I think most of us as people and social media has accelerated this. We become impatient, right? Because mm -hmm. you use that word patience. It you know at the beginning you want full control, but as you're building your business and as you're building your aesthetic and your style and trying to get that freedom that you mentioned it takes some time right to get yeah. that but was there what was there a time i mean you were patient through the process you understood okay i'm going to seek these jobs the lost leaders i'm going to start building this you know social media is a way where i can now market this you know was there a turning point in your career or with studio mcgee maybe a project maybe a time when you fe finally felt like i have the freedom you know we have the name we have the reputation mm -hmm. and now we're going to go conquer yeah so um early days I mean, I definitely feel like the Modern Mountain Home project that we did, um, that was like our first full project, um, full home project as Studio McGee. So I actually worked with that client um, in San Clemente when we lived there. They were a neighbor and I did a couple of rooms in their house. It wasn't a huge project. And then they decided to build this big house when we moved to Utah um, and asked me to design it. And um, they were because we had worked together and they had um, become friends, they try, they trusted me. Um, and this was this whole large budget, beautifully designed architecture. I, ha I knew that that was my opportunity. Like this was an opportunity to make a name for myself. And so, I mean, I've, we've, our, it was a staff of like two people at the time and my, me and our, my design assistants um, worked really, really hard on every single corner and they trusted us. Um, and the results, I think, uh, really put us on the map besides just like, oh, they have like this social media following. It was like, oh, like we were on Architectural Digest and it was um, a moment for us. And that, that project is still referred to to this day. It has had staying power. And I just think that that was like a really big turning point for us. And then from there, we started to be able to be a little bit pickier about our clients, um, just a little bit. And then we continue have continued to be uh, more selective um, about our projects. We could say, oh, we're only doing full homes now. Um, or... Um, we could set budget parameters, uh, things that we weren't able to do before and didn't want to, quite frankly, because we just needed all of the Business. work. Yeah. Right. Well, it's interesting because, you know, you said some things that are really important. You know, there's a relationship side of our industry, especially in design. You know, as you, one thing that I think most people don't realize with design is good designers, right? There's, there's a feeling, there's an emotion, there's a creativity. So when people come to their homes, they feel different. They're more inspired, right? And, and there's value there. And we see that as the builder, you know, work with good designers. You know, but what you've shown is that when you work with clients, and it may be a small project, as you said, at San Clemente, where you're doing a few bedrooms, but cultivating that relationship now, fast forward a couple of years, this is going to steamroll into a big project, you know, with a good budget. Mm -hmm. And now it's going to set the tone for your career. Um, you, you know, with other clients, has there been times where a client has pushed back and, you know, resisted maybe Shay's, you know, aesthetic or wanted their own imprint. And how do you handle that, you know, communication with the customer? I know now may be different today as opposed to seven years ago, you know, but how do you 
manage through that resistance when a client maybe doesn't fully see your vision? Yeah, I think, honestly, it depends on the client. Um, and I still feel like that to this day. I think that there are some clients who question things because they're just like unsure and there's so much on the line. Like they've spent so much money to build this beautiful custom home and they want it to love it. And they're like, Oh, are you sure you like that? You know? And, um, some, and if they're just doing an, are you sure? And I feel sure then I will say that. But sometimes and I've learned this over time, there is usually a really good second option. Um, and sometimes our clients are just like, I want to buy this couch. And I'm like, oh, that's not my favorite thing. But <laughs> they, they, you can tell in their voice or how they're approaching it that there's like not really room for pushback. And if that's the case, it's like you just roll with it. And my job would be to like design around that. Um, but I think that there are also moments when you've developed enough of a relationship with a client where you can really, I think it's all about give and take. So like if there have been things where they're like, I just don't really, I'm not feeling that paint color in this room. And you say, okay, let's reevaluate. That's okay. It's paint. You know, let's change the cabinet color um, that we originally presented to something completely different because you want it to feel, you know, moodier in here. Um, and you just give so that like when there's something that you do feel really strongly about you, they know that you're serious about that. Because if you're just like the person that's like always pushing back, I don't know. I just don't feel like it's, it's not a good working relationship. I don't, I'm not the one living in that house at the end of the day. They are. And so, um, that's a lesson that I've had to learn over time because I think that some designers are pushier than others. And any time that I've tried to like push too hard throughout the process, it's just not been great. And so I've just had to learn that it's like, for me, it's all about give and take. I love that you said that, you know, it's funny. There was a, another designer. I, you know, she's very adamant that, you know, finishes don't have feelings. Right. And it's funny cause you alluded to that when you said, you know, usually there's a good second option that sometimes, you know, the client may specifically want this couch or the, this art piece or whatever it may be. And how do we now incorporate that and design around it? And I've seen that in my business. You know, some of the best designers and architects I've worked with are ones that don't really have an ego. You know, there's some designers and architects that they want their footprint. They want their mark on every single room, every you know part of the home, you know, but the ones that are really successful are the ones that can, you know, really listen to the customer, understand you know, push in some areas, hold back in others, and, and really find that balance. You know, so how, you know, going into that shape, you know, as you're working through your business, you're building, you're figuring out invoicing, you're, you know, getting systems in place. Um, you know, how do you start to understand your stride? You mentioned the word stride. As far as to know, this project is a fit for us. This one is not. You know, how do you start understanding so then that way you can quickly vet a lead that comes in? Unfortunately, I feel like the way you find it is by having bad experiences. <laughs> like, you know, you can say um, it's easy to set like size requirements and budget requirements early on. Like um, we didn't at the very beginning and we kind of didn't do that for maybe a couple two two years. And then we started really tightening down on our parameters um, and then we realized, you know, there's a personality component to this too, yes. that like, you're not just, it's a service industry that lasts like, sometimes it's like two or two or three years, um, these projects by the time you're working through the architectural plans and then you break to ground and then you're doing finishes and furniture, like it's a very long relationship. And so sometimes we're just not a good fit. Um, I haven't had that experience very often, maybe just a handful of I mean, just a couple of times, but those really stand out to me when our firm and that client wasn't a good fit and, um, we learned from it. And so what we do now is we, um, I, we, we have a, um, team member who goes through the inquiries and we, we set those parameters, um, that are like pretty easy to sift through early on. And then as we're going through the process, like it's, we interview the builder because usually the builder and the architect are um, hired before the designer, typically, mm -hmm. not always. But then we interview them. What has been the process like so far? Truthfully, you know, what what is what is your working relationship like with this client? Um, and we just have more 
back and forth so that we can make sure not only are they a good fit for us, but that they're going to be happy with us because we're a good fit for them. I, I love that you said that. I'm going to get back to the interview side, which I think is really important that you're alluding to, Shay. But you made the comment, you know, just in the R&D, the research and development, how important it is, you know, that you're vetting the client as well in the beginning that you're going to talk to the builder and architect and ask about their process. I'm understanding that right, you know, to yeah. understand how the communication's been with the client, mm -hmm. you know, how the meetings have been, if they make decisions quickly, if they're easy to work with, because mm -hmm. it's such you were married to them for two or three years, right? Mm -hmm. For real. Um, and also, like, I look through Pinterest boards. Like, I look at the plans of the house, and then I look through, because I want to see what they gravitate towards. If they are pinning things that do not look anything close to what we could um, produce for them, then I don't think that we're the right um, designer for them. And that's okay. I'm not offended by that. It's just, like, I don't want to transform ourselves. Like I love to transform within the Studio McGee realm. So we'll do a modern project. We'll do a rustic project. We'll do, you know, just a very um, rustic, like farmhouse project all, all over the map. But we kind of morph Studio McGee into those things. But if it's too far off that we, I just don't like the look, then I'm not going to like promise that to somebody. I love that you said that because I think one of the toughest jobs that you have as a designer, Shay, is I've I've been in meetings with clients where, you know, they they want something super modern, right? They keep telling yeah. me I want this modern home, this is modern, and then the pictures they have and, and yeah, legit, this not, happened, are Tuscan, right? Yeah. And it's like yeah. hand hand carved cabinetry and yeah. heavy base, and you're like, hold on, like that's how it's like. Give me the Pinterest board because words are not a good indicator of someone's style because they will say things to describe their style, and then you go look at their boards, and it's not that. And so, um, I think that photos speak a lot louder um, when it comes to style. So I, I love that's it. Huge. And that's one of the yeah, and it's one of the advantages now of social media is that a lot of the clients they have Pinterest boards, they've been pinning, they have house, and so you can get a sneak peek. So going back to the builder architect, one thing I'm interested to say, so what you've worked with a lot of builders, you know, locally around the country, a lot of architects. Mm -hmm. You know, what are some of the attributes or what are things that they've done to make your job easier? You know, how important is that client or I'm not I shouldn't say client, designer, builder, architect relationship? Oh, I love this question. Um, that's a good one. I, I have learned a lot about different builders' processes um, over the years. And it is fascinating to see the range of how people work. Um, but I will say that a consistently, um, a consistent theme through builders that we have good relationships with is that they use some sort of like builder trend or they've used some sort of um up a weekly update that has like photos and a bullet point list of the things that were going on at the job site um that is good for us is also great for the client um and it just keeps everyone apprised of what's going on and it also helps us um because in that checklist, it's like, this is what's going on. And then this is what's coming down the pipeline. So we know if there's like any deadlines that need to be, um, that seem like they're coming a little bit faster than maybe we originally planned for them so that we can scramble if we need to. Um, I also, I, I think that that's, that's huge. And then um, having some sort of, point person on the job, whether that's, um, a, you know, a project manager, um, some, something, someone that's there regularly so that they can call us up or send us pictures, um, because we do work remotely quite a bit. Um, and also the will, a willingness to figure out how to do something. I think that that's a, that's a mark of a good custom builder, um, is, you know, we have this idea for this lime wash brick finish. And I've worked with builders who say, well, I can't do that. Like, I don't know. We Like, I can't do it. And that was like the answer. I'm like, well, I know it's possible. We just have to figure <laughs> out how to do it. And then a really good custom builder will say, okay, I'm going to make a make like five mock-ups and we'll put them on a board and we'll put them on outside of the house. And we're going to do, we're going to do an exterior mock-up where you can see 
the metal cladding from the windows and you can see the siding material, the roof material, all of it kind of just like leaning up against the house, very makeshift, but that helps us visualize, but just that willingness to like try before we give up on it. <laughs> I think that sometimes there are things that just are not panning out the way we envision. It's rare, but a willingness to try is something that I love um, when working with a custom builder. Um, I also I also love when um, they are communicative about um, how things are brought to life and maybe why something needs to be edited. So designers can do these drawings and conceptualize different things, but like at the end of the day, there's a craftsman working in a workshop to do this special angle on a countertop detail and maybe it needs to be adjusted a little bit but explaining to us why it needs to be adjusted helps us then like make it make the tweaks to get an end result that looks good instead of us showing up on site and it being completely different than we imagined but it's like what happened here and then they just like decided to cut us out of the process <laughs> so I, that those for me like if I can get all of that in um, a working relationship with our team and uh, the builder, that's incredible. No, I love that you said that. It's funny because, you know, having worked with designers on most of our projects, you know, this seems to be the constant theme is that, you know, the builders, you know, that I've networked with, you know, that to your point, Shay, that they're going to, if, if there's a discrepancy in the field, right, or they're going to have to alter something, run it by the designer, right? Make sure the designer's on board and they can adjust. And I love that what you said, don't stonewall, right? If the designer has an inspiration or creativity or the architect for that matter, don't just say it can't be done, right? Let's find a way to um, do a mock-up, you know, do, do yeah. different samples and, and find some construction techniques to now to match that design. And and more than anything, you mentioned um, Builder Chem, which we use. I mean, I guess a plug for them here. But, um, <laughs> you know, what's great about that, you know, I, I had worked, in heavy commercial, you know, before doing high-end residential, one thing that's very common is that organization, right, daily logs. You're going to go in every day and you're going to update who's on site and the job scope being done and you're going to take photos. And I emphasize that a lot because I've seen how that's assisted not only our clients, you know, where they can see the progress and who's there, and but it does help the designers and it helps that communication because the biggest challenge that you have, that I have, is what I've seen to be the downfall, at least for me as the builders, at the end of the day, I'm responsible to build your vision, right, Shay? And what happens is, is the client will have an expectation of what something will look like. You as a designer, you have your expectation of what it's supposed to look like, and then I have mine. And so I need to make sure that I'm gravitating towards you and the client to make sure that what I'm building now matches that. And, and and how do you bridge that? I think one of the toughest things as a designer is you know how something's going to look, and the client may think it may look different you know how do you you know navigate through those expectations with that client you know through design and creativity yeah I think that um there are a few points where it's really really important to have um a more detailed representation of what you're designing so I say kitchens exterior master bathroom especially when I mean, we do we do elevation drawings of every single wall and every single we do elevations for all of that in CAD so we have a very good idea of scale and then we try to get a sample material wise for every single thing that we're applying it, it, like if we can get our hands on a chip of stone so that we can get that color and texture we try to do that there inevitably there's going to be something where you know um, a client decides they don't like a tile once they see it, even though you showed them a sample. It happens very rarely and a lot less than if we never showed them a sample right. to begin right. with. Um, so I'd say that drawings and then 3D renderings for us are, um, we don't do that for every single room of the house, but we we do it when the clients really want to visualize. And so we all, we always like to do it for exteriors if possible, if the budget allows. And we really like to do it for um, spaces where maybe the client's having a hard time making up their minds uh, so they can see how things come together. 
So how often do you get involved in the exterior? I know from a design, I, I would assume as a designer, you know, you love, of course, interior is kind of your baby, right? You get to um, design all that, but you would love to have the exterior you know, we're, collaborations. Yeah, we're pulled into exteriors a lot more than I ever anticipated when I first started getting into design. Um, I would say that our, it's, it's interesting. Architects um, operate in really different ways. Like we have some architects who our clients design the plans and then we never speak to the architect again. We're just handed these plans and then it's kind of us, up to us to interpret. And then we have to we're picking the materials for the outside of the house. And I've had to really research and learn through the years. And now I have like, I have a much stronger understanding, feel a lot more comfortable in that realm, but that wasn't where I start. I started with interiors and then, um, really had to, because the expectation from clients and builders is that the designers are working on the exteriors a lot. Um, and so we, we I had to, um, step up my game and, and figure it out. And now I love it. Um, but a lot of architects hand the plans over and walk away. Some are involved throughout the entire process, but that's not always the case. And so when we're handed a set of plans and then we're, we're left to um, figure out the materials and um, everything from, you know, this is the soffit and fascia and um, what the overhang is going to be on the roof line and um, all, all of those details that if, if the architect isn't quite as detailed in their plans. That, that's fascinating because I would imagine that's that's really difficult in the sense that what most people don't realize when you're looking at ex exterior design, well, now you're looking at rain screens and waterproofing. How does this finish implement that? You know, yeah. how's the home going to perform? So it's a whole different you're dealing with natural elements now. And then for you that's working nationally, right, you're going to work in different climate zones. Yeah. Um, you know, so how how do you manage, I guess, when you're working through exterior designs throughout the country, you know, how are you managing sourcing yeah. some of the product locally? Because some markets just aren't going to have the same thing you have there in Utah. Right. Sourcing is, um, I think that it's gotten easier as we're doing more because our projects are really elevated in their budgets, like the builder has very good sources. Um, when, when early on we were like Googling what the stone yards were in the area. Right. And now it's like the builder's like, well, here's, we have good relationships with this quarry and, and, um, th these are, these are showrooms. So then we'll contact the showroom and we'll say, Hey, you know, we'll send them inspiration photos and then they'll maybe take a FaceTime through the yard or we'll, we'll do different. Well, maybe before COVID we would fly out there and do, mm -hmm. um, you know, shopping trips, but, um, we rely heavily on the builder and architects when they're long distance projects to, um, and hope that they're sending us the best resources. We know pretty quickly as soon as like we start working with that vendor, like, oh yeah, they know it. They've, they've got they've a good, it. they've got a lot of good options or sometimes it's like, oh no, like we, we still need some more. We still need some more vendors to work with. Yeah, that's great. That's great. So one thing I want to get back to, cause you, you spoke about the shades. You talked about, you know, now you, you can see the red flags, you know, you have one way of vetting a customer to say, you know, we have these parameters and that's fine. But one thing I think a lot of us fail to do, and I can relate it to us as a company is that you want these projects, you want this next one. Um, but there, but the interview process isn't just us interviewing for the project, but it's also us interviewing the customer because, you know, we know that it, even if it's a trophy home project, if there's going to be difficulty with the client, you know, we just know that there's a personality discrepancy mm -hmm. there. How important it is to say, hey, this may not be for me. You know, let's move on. I mean, have you had to do that? You know, how have you gotten better at that over the years? Yeah, I, thankfully, I'm not the one that has to do that anymore. Um, <laughs> but and honestly, I never only in the very, very early days. That was one of the things that Sid took on um, when we joined um, forces and, and started studio McGee, he was really interviewing clients, but, um, now one of our design director does that. And I think that we go on gut feeling like if she doesn't feel good about it, then I do not push on that because every time I haven't listened to my gut and I've gotten a bad feeling about a project, it's turned out to be not a good <laughs> relationship and so if she doesn't feel good we just we let them know like this isn't going to be a good fit for us um like thanks so much like you're so appreciative that someone is attracted enough to your work to even like take the time to write an email and get on the phone with you like the 
reality is like, you just need to be so grateful that they were interested in you, but you have to be honest that it's not a good fit. Do we say it's your personality? No. Like we just say it's not a fit because the truth is it's not. Yeah. And it needs to be a win-win. So let's talk about that. Yeah. So one of the things is, you know, Sid had, had joined, you know, business is taking off. I'm sure that at some point you're realizing, Hey, you know, this is something that, um, can really be successful. There's some opportunity, the company's building, mm-hmm. you know, how did that decision come into play where now you're operating together and using his background to help build the company? Yeah. So, um, a plug for our book. We go into <laughs> detail about that. That launches at the end of October. Um, and we, I definitely awesome. dive really far into that. Um, we both do, but, um, I would say that, so when Sid started, <laughs> we, so, it was a hard time. It was not like a, this is going so well for us that like, we're going to have Sid quit his job and join us. He actually, like I, I had started and I was, I was very busy, but it was, it was me. And I had an um, assistant help me when I was like installing projects and um, I was doing pretty much everything. And Sid, um, Sid was working for his oldest brother, who's like 15 years older than him. And they had started this digital marketing agency and sold it. And, um, then they were, um, the brother relationship was just getting really tense. And Sid was like, I'm out. I'm, I just, I'm, I'm done. And didn't really have a plan of like what was supposed to happen next. And so, um, I'm like, oh crap, like I just, I I had a baby, like that he literally, like he made this decision, like what I had just had a newborn. And so, um, I was freaking out. I had planned to take time off. Like I would give myself a maternity leave at least and then like slow down. But no, it was like, we have to get back into this. And so while he kind of fumbled through what he was going to do next, I was just like, I got to take on everything I possibly can. So that was when like Instagram really started ramping up for me. So I I just like put my head down and like worked and worked and worked and worked. And we were really struggling um, to, I mean, we had bought this brand new house. I mean, like we had only been in it a year. Um, I had a new baby and it was just like, I kept begging him to come work with me. Um, and he was like, I am not working with family ever. Again. <laughs> um, and when there was a time when I'm like, okay, you can at least help me with this stuff. Like you don't have a next, uh, your next step yet. So you can help me like with behind the scenes work. So he did. And when he, um, like started digging into like how I was operating. He was like, Oh my gosh, like you have one, you're doing a lot, but two, this is, you really need some help. Cause I was like, so focused on the design work. Like I saved everything to my desktop. I was just like, not super like on top of the, um, things that he does best. So he was like blown away. And also the design industry is like, it's just dated. Like people fax stuff and or they used to it was was just kind of tricky so he was like what is this like we can do this so much more efficiently and so um it was kind of around that time that we decided to go into business together and then that's when we decided to sell our home and then move to utah so we used that money that um we made from our home to start the business and so um it wasn't like a quick or clear like let's go into business. Yeah. It was really messy. And then once we decided to, to go into business together, like we were all in like, this was like, we were going to do this. Like it is our dream to build a design brand. And, um, we're going to just, we needed a fresh start. And so we, we came here and it was a lot less expensive to start a business here. Um, and so, much uh, less in Southern California, much, much less. And so it gave us a, a longer runway to, um, start our business. Well, that's interesting. I mean, you, you, you made some points there, Shay. I think a lot of us can relate because sometimes, you know, with business and, you know, when you're an entrepreneur, sometimes you're born as an entrepreneur naturally, or sometimes, you know, it's out of necessity, right? And, and, and sometimes there's a combo of both. And what you look like is, okay, you know, we're trying to fill this gap with our company, but now you dive in and, okay, we're all in. You, we kind of have our vision now of what we want to do. So speak to like, 
you know, one thing in construction is we're very similar, you know, is this kind of dated? A lot of us are not with the times and you reference builder trend, you know, the successful builders have systems, they have processes, they have organization that really helps us as designers integrate, you know, and I'm sure you've seen your company be extremely successful now that you have systems in place and organization. You know, when did you catch that vision? Because for me, it wasn't till recently and I wish I would have done that. You know, I speak that I wish I'd have done that from day one. That was like Sid's role very early on and he is like, truly behind the success of our like ability to scale because like for me I um I have a vision a creative vision and I love design and I but he like was very er quick to say like you are not scalable Shay like you are not like you so we've got to figure out how to scale this and ultimately he really laid the foundation for putting systems and processes together. And that was like early on. And I really think that that's been a huge part of our success. And it's only built upon there as we've like grown our team. And now we have people who really, really help um, fulfill uh, that uh, role. Um, but yeah, I, I think that just even like, how we organize ordering and how we um, are organizing, like just like even the process of like, first you send mood boards, then we do finishes, then we do furniture, like the, the, even just figuring out that helps, like instead of just like having the, even the creative process needs to have some process. Mm -hmm. Now I love that you said that. It's funny because from a d design perspective, yeah, there's some organization where, here's our contract, here's our fee, whatever that may be, how do we break it up in phases and then what's mm -hmm. determined in each phase? And, you know, the more information you have for the customer, you know, where I've seen challenges in that relationship, even for me as a builder, is if I don't have a good idea of my billing, you know, and how that's broken out or the designer maybe is doing hourly instead of like a lump sum that's phased out, you know, sometimes things can be interpreted differently. Mm -hmm. And so it really helps the expectations to manage the process from a financial perspective too. Yeah, definitely. So, Shay, one, one question as we kind of move this conversation, um, you know, one thing that fascinates me, so every, you know, throughout social media, and just a plug for you, is that I see your projects all the time, right? People are reposting <laughs> Studio McGee. It's, yeah. You know, you're, you're the leader. You're, you're posting stuff that's, like, breathtaking and that's new and, 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 and setting that tone for the industry where people are getting, especially, you know, I have clients coming to my office with your photos that they want us to do something similar. Yeah. So how... Where are you finding inspiration? You know, how do you continue to stretch and, you know, as a company to continue that vision? Um, I think there's a, I think there's a couple of different ways. And for me, um, I get tired of things. So like, I have learned like what I never get tired of. And then there are things that I get tired of. And so like, there's some consistency. Like I love a Calcutta marble and I love an unlacquered brass. Like that's probably not something that I'm going to be like, over in two years so there's a few things that are like always consistent I love like a fresh and classic style but I think that like colors kind of ebb and flow like we were really into cool grays for a while now we're into warm grays and beiges and and we just kind of I think that by na my nature of like getting a little tired of things like when our designers come to me and they're showing me things that I've seen before I'm like uh, this feels like something I've seen. Like, so uh, let's push here. Um, and, and my role as creative, well, as chief creative officer, but I just, as creative director in the design team, like, you know, we have design leaders. So they're, they're lead designers and they are managing the project. But my job is to push the design. Like my whole responsibility for the company is to set the vision for where we're going and so um, we kick off the project and we comb through our clients' mood boards and we look at images. And so then I can hand pick the ones that feel the freshest to me. Like, oh, they put this, they put this picture on their board that looks like um, a bathroom that could have been designed like six years ago. Let's not pick that as the direction to go. But they, have, they pick this bathroom here and I feel like we've got something like in the way it feels. And so we take it and then I say, Hey, I feel like I've seen this. I, you know, I feel like I've seen this. Why don't we try? I've been really into, you know, rough stone materials where it was like very clean for a while. And I just think that like, you kind of like 
transition your design's taste over the years, but then there are some consistence. And um, I, I think that constantly pushing yourself is and your team um, in, in a good way it, it keeps us feeling fresh. And then I also think that giving yourself a moment to like step away from a computer. Yeah. So I, I'm so sad that travel isn't really an option because right. I, I just love like getting away from my computer and taking a trip and walking around and going just, I don't even care if it's like a hike in the mountains or if it's in a new city, it's just like a moment to step away clears your head enough to like when you come back to it you just have fresher ideas well it's interesting you said that because that's you know from a design or for me as a construction background you know as i travel and i'm in different parts of the country or outside of our country it's amazing the inspirations you see things techniques and styles that have held the test of time right Um, from construction methods or design you know and i'm sure you draw inspiration and so with that you know um it, without getting into all the secrets, right, as Studio <laughs> McGee, you know, as you're looking through design, you had mentioned like Carrera Marble, something I loved. Is there a strategy where you're looking at, okay, if I'm looking at the kitchen, I may do like a Carrera Marble because it's timeless at the island. It's hard to replace. So from a construction perspective, it's costly to replace. Mm-hmm. But maybe we have fun with the backsplash that we can replace or other elements. Or maybe we get a little eccentric, you know, in the powder bath or laundry room, yeah. some areas of the homework you have fun. I mean, is there any strategy to that as well? Yeah, I like... I'm a classicist when it comes to finishes because I just like, they're so hard. I I just feel like I don't want to go into a house and be like, Oh yeah. Remember when that type of backsplash was cool. Um, and so I think that everything changes over time, but there are some things that have more staying power than others. And so, um, I think where you can keep things interesting is like details, but also like the furniture is so much, easier to transition um in and out so like colors in your textiles whether that's like a rug or um, pillows the artwork even I would rather try the funkier things that way and we're not funky designers but like that's to me where I would push I don't it's, it's funny because I am actually usually having to talk clients out of trendy things <laughs> because they will come to me and they'll see something on Instagram or they'll see something on Pinterest and they're like, isn't this cool? And I'm like, it's cool, but you're not going to like it in two years. And so I have to kind of, um, reel them in, reel them in. Mm-hmm. Well, that's interesting. Cause you alluded to this early in the conversation where here in Laguna, you know, there was a trend that Tuscan, you know, that heavy dark finish and that you were doing this white and bright. And it's funny cause as a kid, I shouldn't say as a kid, but as a teenager, I, I grew up in San Diego and I worked in, as an electrician in Coronado. And some of these old homes, I mean, 70, 80-year-old homes are in Coronado and they're white kitchens, a lot of natural mm-hmm. light, brass, a lot of brass. And people tell me, hey, white kitchens, you know, that's right now. And I'm like, well, white kitchens, you know, and brass have been around a long yeah. time. And it's something that's stayed true over years. And so really it's about, you know, finding these things that are timeless and through travel, through other experiences, I'm sure as you alluded to, that's how you're going to continue to refine that yeah. design process. Yeah, and I think that also, like, <laughs> Tuscany is is beautiful, but the way it was watered down and then replicated a million times over is when it lost all of its luster, Charm. and there was no authenticity to it. It wasn't about finding a beautiful stone sink that was reclaimed. It was just like oh, to give the Tuscan look, we do travertine tile, we do dark brown cabinets, and then we do brushed nickel knobs, right? And that was like the same thing in every single house. And so, and maybe they get like a a faux paint on the walls or something somewhere. And I I think that um, if you're staying true to like authentic materials, that that's when you will start to see um, a more timeless look in a home. Well, I love that, Shay. And, you know, as being sensitive to your time here, so with, you know, having designed over 300 projects and the success you had in the design world, you know, what made you come up with the concept or idea to now let's launch into other media realms, you know, and collaborations as well as your own product line? You know, how did how did that kind of take its take its form? Yeah. Um, So 
really early on, like Sid and I actually thought that we were going to, knowing his digital marketing background, like we thought that we were going to launch like a store, online store at the same time as we launched our design firm. That did not happen. Um, We got turned down by so many vendors um, because they didn't like think that we could sell anything on the internet. They like didn't believe that that was like a real business model. And so we had to prove ourselves. Um, and so we did, we had to wait and um, prove ourselves in the design world before then we could launch Mickey and Co. But it was always a plan to do something more scalable because design services just aren't scalable. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if you do them the way that we like to do them, which is, um, not replicating designs and um, I like to be involved in the projects. And so we can only take on a certain amount of projects. If we're going to grow our business, we had to do something that we could um, do at scale and and product was um, that. And um, I also like, you never want to put all your eggs in one basket. And so if all of our eggs were in the Instagram basket, like what if something happened to Instagram and then that was no longer cool? Like you want to make sure you've got your blog going and you have Pinterest and YouTube um, so you can diversify where um, people are finding you. Um, with McGee and Co., yeah. Oh, go ahead. No, I was just say diversification. I mean, you said mm-hmm. that. I mean, that is so key to any business, you know, and, and so you've done that. So, yeah, speak about McGee and Co. Yeah, and so McGee & Co., I mean, it is the it is the larger side of our business, um, and we intentionally keep Studio McGee to a certain kind of size so that we can maintain a high standard of work in the design work, and then McGee & Co. continues to um, grow very rapidly, um, and we are... I am loving like the new challenge of, of designing new product and it's still very much in the design world, but it's a new challenge. And, um, I am really glad that we went for it because we didn't know exactly what we were getting ourselves into. Um, we like put our, we put like all of our products on like a few shelves in the basement when we first launched and like it, like, went started going crazy and then we had to like figure out like warehousing you know it was just it was a lot it was it's been a lot over the years um but that i i mean like just like diversifying your social um like accounts Mm -hmm. you i think that diversifying your revenue streams is also really important to growing your business Oh, I love that, Shay. That's great. Words of wisdom for anyone listening is the diversification that, that even though you're diversified between these social channels, product lines and design and everything else, but there's still a theme here. There's still an authenticity. There's still um, a style, a consistency that reaches where they know it's your style. They know that it's your product and you're mm-hmm. keeping that 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 consistent. So, you know, what's next? What's What are you excited about that's upcoming? Besides your book, you announced your book coming out in October. Yeah, the, the book's coming out in October and... Um we also, we have um, our next Target launch. So we are, um, it's a collaboration that we've been doing with, we, we launched our first one in the spring. It sold out very, very quickly. And so I haven't really been able to talk about it for the last little bit because there's no product um, to <laughs> show right now, but it's coming. We, we signed a multi-year partnership with them. So um, in the fall, early fall, we will launch another um, collection that we've been working on and it's awesome and it's incredible like the de- level of design that we've been able to create and then they're able to provide it for like such a good price point is such a good value so I'm, I'm very excited about our next target launch and then we have one other top secret project that I like I can't officially announced but it's something that we've been working on for the past year that will also launch in October um, and it's going to be maybe our like biggest project yet it took out it took it took 108 of my days in the last um (laughs) 108 of my days since last august so it's um a big project well i think i know what that is but i won't (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) no but that's super exciting and um we'll kind of dangle those carrots out for the listeners and do the social media um and especially with your book coming so Again, and, and Shay, where can our listeners find you? Um, so, oh, Sid's walking back. Yeah, I love Sid. <laughs> um, so you can find us on Instagram at Studio McGee and also on um, McGee and Co. And then you can find us on YouTube at Studio McGee. And um, I think that our blog is Studio McGee and you can shop all our products at McGeeandCo.com. 
Well, you're amazing. I can't thank you enough for making time, Shane, sharing this amazing wisdom and advice and, uh, you know, just the history of your company and what you built. So thank you very much. This was fun. Thanks for having me. You, we got to do a project. I got to get down to Arizona. Oh, we will. We're going to have one soon. <laughs> So big thanks to Shay for joining us today on the podcast. And as a recap, there's quite a few um, nuggets that she left with us. And, you know, one of the big things was she talked about, you know, as you start building your resume, have patience, right? As you're working through building your company, whether it be architecture, design, construction, doesn't matter. You know, as you start to build that clientele, as you start to build that resume, it, it allows you more freedom where you have more to say in the process and the schedule of so-called project and it's really important to understand that it takes time learn from those experiences you know as you make mistakes make sure that you're noting those and utilizing those to correct yourself moving forward and how important the interview process is you know most of us are excited for every job that we take but there is an interview portion i mean we're essentially married to our clients for a couple years so make sure we understand that there is a communication there between the client and us and how do we manage those expectations and of course over time we're going to better that and understand how to vet our customer base and client base and make sure that we're also optimizing you know to our best capability and how we're making the process stream more efficiently for our designers builders architects and and the client themselves and again how we diversify how we're still consistent in all of our social channels but how we're utilizing a lot of the different product that's out there to market our business and to bring value to our industry. And as you bring value, of course, then that can catapult into other projects and, and opportunities. So big thanks to Shay for making time and joining the podcast today.